This is To Dare is Human with your host, Adam Connor. Hey, welcome back to the show. Another episode of To Dare is Human on deck today. My name is Adam Connor, and it's Wednesday, which means we have our weekly full length interview. And I'm really, really excited about this one today because it's super relevant to what I do and also is a great way for you, if you enjoy this show, to continue listening to content like what I produce. As I belabor every single day, I talk about the dare, which is the conscious choice to step away from a more conventional or secure life bet and into your passion, what you want to dream. And today I'm interviewing somebody who has a show and a movement and a community, which is kind of like Tadera's human, like 5.0. This is Mike Lewis, the CEO and founder of When to Jump. It's a community and movement all around a similar topic. What if the job you have isn't the life you want? And I'm going to read a little description from the website here. When to Jump is a community dedicated to exploring the fundamental question we all think about. When is the right time to go do what you really want to be doing? And there's a mix of stories, people, and ideas that may help you figure that out across this website. And most recently a podcast which just started up at the end of 2017 with folks like Sheryl Sandberg and Ariana Huffington being featured. So pretty big league to start out with. I came across this just this year, of course, as that's been my involvement with this podcast. But Mike has been putting these stories together for years, about five years, as you'll hear in the interview today. And the story to how he got where he is now is a really super interesting, compelling, and motivational one. So I encourage you to listen in for the entirety of the interview and also tune in towards the end to hear what's the next step for when to jump. I'll be back at the end to let you know where you can get in touch with Mike, the movement, and how to best engage. But for now, I'm going to shut up and let him do the talking. So without further ado, here's the CEO and founder of When to Jump, Mike Lewis. Hey, Mike, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. It's a great to be able to uh, connect with you. I gotta gotta say, I feel a bit uh, like the amateur here talking to the pro. Uh, having just started this show at the beginning of the year for me, and then uh, being able to to talk to somebody who has who has been in this space and who has uh, made uh, the jump themselves for quite some time. Uh, it's uh, it's an honor to connect. So I'm glad to be uh, learning from you a little bit and hearing more about your story. Well, I don't know if I'm the pro. I think we can learn from each other. I'm- just happy to be on here. I think you're doing a great job with your show, and it's been fun to follow. Well, I appreciate that. Um, and let's well, let's just jump right into it because, uh, like I said, me doing this for one year, but you've been collecting these sorts of stories at least formally in the lead up to uh, the release of your book in 2018 since about 2013, right? As I had read about four or five years in collecting these stories formally. And of course, I know that the whole idea of making the jump for you personally started long before that. So let's turn the clocks back a little bit. And uh, I'd love to hear about um, that first that first decision that you knew you had to play squash. Take me through Take me through that, what uh, what the ups and the downs were of, of leaving a sort of more conventional life path, certainly a safer bet and starting to tiptoe into that space. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up in Santa Barbara, California, and I had always liked, I think, the idea of doing things differently. And my dad knew about this sport called squash, which was random and fun and, and, and unique. And that west of New York City, there was probably half a dozen kids my age that played it competitively. So it presented a challenge in terms of if you got better, how would you find the right players to train with and compete in and, and events to go travel to? And so... It was an interesting you know, dilemma, but one that I appreciated. And around the time I was 14, our family hosted a pro squash player who 
stayed with us for a couple nights as he was passing through town. Our local club had a, a pro tournament on once a year. It was probably the only squash club within 70 or 80 miles um, north of uh, Los Angeles in this town of Santa Barbara. And I just remember him telling me, you know, great adventures of traveling around the world, playing squash on mountaintops in Brazil and cities in Asia and all over the place. It just felt like this guy was living this amazing adventure. And I knew I wanted that at some point in my life. And of course, the big question was when, when would that happen? And as you know, Adam, you know, we, we go through life and oftentimes there's a path in front of us. You know, if you can, you know, get an internship, you grab it. If you're lucky enough to go to college, you go. And if you can get a job, you stick with it. And so I was on that path and a few years into what I had imagined to be my day job and, and dream job, really, uh, for the next several several years, if not decades. And that voice in my head about playing pro squash from 10 years earlier as just a kid, you know, wouldn't go away. Now, when you decided that you had to just make that jump, and I know you had several uh, several forces there helping to push you to do that. I mean, did most people just think you were crazy? Like, what are you thinking, man? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, and, and I have this book coming out we can talk about later, but a big piece of that is these stories that I collected of people who didn't think I was crazy. And what I learn and what I talk about really is my manifesto is you actually may be crazy, but there's a difference between crazy and stupid. And for me, the idea of doing something off of the linear staircase is crazy. But if you think through it and we can go into why, you know, that can be a rational decision and why it's important to plan and be thoughtful. But if you do those things, how you do it, um, it becomes, you know, a little bit more, more, more pragmatic and more, more crazy and less stupid. And so I think there is a difference, but I certainly had many doubters. Um, and I think they were looking out for my best interest. People who, you know, didn't want to see me throw away a great opportunity at a job that I really cared about. And, um, you know, in many ways they were right. I had to be really smart if I was going to go leave, you know, I was working at Bain Capital and their venture capital group and to leave that all to go place pro squash. I've heard story after story through this year, uh, which I've been able to document of the same sort of thing. Obviously, a lot of the doubt coming from people based in genuine concern um, rather than than what are you doing with your life? You're throwing everything away, though there has been some of that, but I could certainly I could certainly relate. So you go through this process of leaving the relatively secure world in terms of a financial living for this wild world of athletics, and it takes you all over the world. What did you uh, learn from those? I mean, that little, sounds like it's a little over a year in which you were doing that. Uh, what would you say you learned the most from from that experience that helped you to turn outward and to uh, share these stories that you've been collecting on a broader basis um, in addition to what you were doing on the court? Well, you know, I never went into this thinking I would start a company or a brand or any of that stuff. And we're still in the earliest days. We have a lot of work to do. But what I what I found was that we all have something we want to take a jump towards doing. And so, you know, I collected stories in my cubicle at Bain to convince myself it was okay to jump. I remember speaking to a cyclist who had recently left her job as a banker on Wall Street to chase her dream. And instead of telling me all of the nitty, you know, the neat kind of, you know, glossed over celebratory Instagram worthy photos and memories of being a cyclist. She had made the Olympic team. So she certainly had several of those accomplishments. She really dug deep and told me the nitty gritty and the unsexy stuff that comes with taking a jump. And in doing that for me, it felt like, wow, uh, this person went through a lot and it was the word, it was still a worthwhile decision to, to do it. And so I started when to jump, you know, 
really out of saying that story that she shared with me could help my buddy Corey, who worked next to me. It could help the bartender on the uh, on the on the taps down the road for me. It could help the bus passengers next to me on the way to work. It just seemed like there should be a space for this. And so, you know, sadly, my buddy Corey passed away while I was gone playing squash. And at that point, I decided to dedicate this project towards him. And fortunately, the, the, the stories picked up and people like you got involved in different ways and, and folks contributed ideas. And, and I think that's where we found that there's a real space for this to say, you know what, here's your permission slip to go do what you love. Yeah, and certainly a strong personal motivation there to, to get going with that uh, incredibly sad story. But, you know, that that can serve as, as fuel as well. And I know since you've compiled many, many, many stories and and you're right, I thought it was really interesting what you said with uh, specifically these sort of Instagram worthy success moments. And I tend to see a lot more of these on my social timelines than I do of the, hey, this is actually what it takes. This is the grind. This is the not so glamorous side in all of the stories which you've been able to to document. And I want to get a little bit into, you know, what you have seen is common among those who have made success on the other side of that jump. Do you think that folks who are at first trying to pursue a dream uh, too often discount that grind and the downs that come with the ups? Uh, or in the, in the majority of cases, do you find that folks tend to plan out for longer before just doing it? And what do you think is the balance between the two? I know that's an involved question, but I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, and, and I go through this, I actually created a framework from all the stories I collected and, and consolidated the research a bit that I was doing and just said, okay, what am I seeing and what seems to be the general through line of all these different diverse jumps? And, you know, my, my book is now filtered down, you know, from hundreds and hundreds of stories to 44 from all different walks of life, from all different types of jumpers, you know, immigrants to baby boomers, millennials, single parents, uh, people who become dancers and philanthropists to, you know, leaving medicine for law, law for medicine, artists, makers, creatives. And what I think I've found is that there is a certain level of planning that you need to undergo yeah, to make any real change happen, or at least to be satisfied with where you're going to go with it. You really need to put your, you know, your pencil into some, some book work and, and create a spreadsheet and slides and, and be able to feel like you've made uh, a tangible kind of stake in the ground for what you're doing, where you're going. It doesn't have to be all planned out. And I think that's the second part is in the latter part of your question, you just said, well, you know, should you just wait till it's all sorted? It's never going to be all sorted out. You know, you're never going to know full certainty. And I think that's where I see a lot of people never jumping because in, in definition, a jump is taking a leap. It's a risk. If it wasn't a jump, it'd be, and it wasn't a risk. It would just be walking. You'd just be putting one foot in front of the other. And so to follow the metaphor, that last point where your, your feet is, your feet are leaving the ground, your toes are on the, the you know, the tippy toes. That's actually the time where you got to say, okay, uh, you know, I'm going to trust in, in, in the unknown. And I think that's super hard for people. It's really hard for folks to imagine doing that. And yet, you know, that's, <clears throat> that's what any jump requires is to be able to, you know, as, as, as I say, and as Michael Lewis, the finance author who I interviewed for the book, you know, he says it best. He says, you know, you, you have to let yourself be lucky. And that's the key piece is if you wait to plan everything out, you'll never jump. And at the same time, if you don't plan anything, the odds are your jump won't be fulfilling. A balance which has been carefully curated into the, you say, 44 stories which have been compiled for the book, which, which I'm anxiously waiting for. Of those 44, and I know that there are there are a couple notable ones that I've heard on the podcast, which I also want to ask about. 
what what are some of the the more standout ones? Or I, I'm assuming they're all standout, but some of the ones that you were the most psyched to learn more about or to actually connect with in terms of the person and the story that they carry. Yeah, you know, for me, I think it's. The, the stories that are most powerful to me are the ones where on paper it shouldn't be done. You know, a single mom outside of Boston who is a senior executive in marketing and had a lot to lose, uh, you know, first being that she had security in her job. And, uh, you know, if she were to leave it, there'd be a lot of question marks. She had, you know, a young daughter. She wanted to jump into writing and being a, a, an author. And for me to see the grit and to see the, drive and the discipline of this woman to do it and to to plan and go for it was just spectacular and it's spectacular not in that it ultimately worked out and it's still a work in progress as most jumps are that i feature but the fact that she was able to think rationally to be obviously cautious of the circumstances but to then proceed going forward says a lot and what she said in that story which sticks with me as one of my favorites and maybe at least favorite takeaways is that don't don't pass up a jump opportunity because you think everything will be safe and comfortable the way it is. And I think that's where people get lost a lot is that, you know, not jumping can be just as risky as jumping, you know, things, we have a perception that, uh, you know, everyone will stay what they're doing and the job will stay the same and life will go on just the way we think. And we'll have full certainty if we don't jump and that's just not the case, you know, things happen that we can't predict or see. And I think her story was really powerful in that. And I think it comes down to what the theme of the book is, which is having agency over your life and saying, I'm going to make life happen rather than life happening to me. Uh, and then there's other stories as well. I mean, there's, you know, it's like picking your children and, and listing favorites. It's pretty hard. But uh, another another story I loved was, uh, you know, a young man who, you know, was a baseball player and was drafted by the Major League Baseball club uh, that he had always dreamed of playing for. But you know, he was in high school and he would have to forego college. And so he ended up, you know, going to, to, to play baseball. He made it to the major leagues. He was the second baseman for the Cubs and then left the Cubs to go to college. And to hear his choices on that and hear his reasoning and his thought process was fascinating. And he really had no regret. I mean, he was on track to make, you know, if not a million, close to it, uh, half a million bucks a year, let's say, and gave that all up to be a student. And to hear that conviction is powerful. And I think that's what the book represents is just super strong, supportive voices of, of folks who are chasing their passion and have done so really thoughtfully. And not all those people have had jumps that work out. I think that's important, too. We have some people where the jump didn't, didn't go as planned, and that's okay. Uh, it was still worth doing. All of these great stories have, have helped push you, and uh, I know as well, uh, not only in the creation of this book and back in the day, not only in the jump from Wall Street to squash, but also I want to just briefly touch on, um, you know, before this book that's certainly going to be a bestseller, before the the podcast that has just recently come out, I believe that started in October, uh, there was the decision to start this whole movement and this company beyond this, you know, uh, just this idea. Now, what led to that decision specifically to turn this into a professional career for you? Well, it was really, you know, it's cliche to say it, but it just kind of happened. I, as I said, I left Bain and Boston and my life to go play squash for a few months. I thought I'd finish, you know, after three, six months and then come back and resume my life, maybe get a job in tech or finance if I was lucky, who knows? And I knew one thing, I didn't want to have any ties back to something that I might not want to do. So I really had a clean break. And 
you know, three months turned into six months turned into nearly 18 months, 200,000 miles, 50 something countries just living this dream out. And I stayed with other people for every night, nearly every night I was gone for almost two years. And when you do that, you start to see what connects us all, what makes us all human. And so much of it was around this desire to live a meaningful life. And when my friend Corey passed away, you know, I thought, geez, what am I waiting for? This is a, this is, this is something I always wanted to do is put this book together. And when I came back, you know, at the end of 2015, I got, you know, some great breaks and, and people believed in me. We went to publishers with my agent and, you know, credit to her to really frame this opportunity the right way. And we had a couple of major book offers and we signed one with Macmillan and we, we got approached to sell the foreign rights to, to countries around the world. And then I was approached by Ariana Huffington and started a media channel and a video series that, that was really fun and, you know, saw our traction go up a bunch. We reached several million people really quickly. And in doing all that, it just felt like I couldn't not, not do this any longer. And if anyone's listening, I'm sure you can relate. If you've got a passion and you're thinking about it, you're wondering about it, you're spending your, all of your waking time on it. You know, at some point you just start to, you know, manifest uh, yourself through this passion in all these different ways. And for me, that's exactly what happened. I, I found myself just pushing back, pushing back, uh, real quote unquote real world stuff until all of a sudden I had a book deal and I could bootstrap the company and we held our first festival. And, and like you said, we just started our podcast, which I'm thrilled about, or, you know, a top 10 business podcast in iTunes and started it last month with some amazing guests. I think the, the best is yet to come. You know, we have, we have a lot of great stuff coming up. We have a festival next October that'll probably come to London. We have the book coming out in January. We're partnering with folks like Airbnb and Lululemon and you know, I, none of this I could have really predicted, but I knew I wanted to try. And I think some of this has to do with just being honest with yourself. And when I came back from the squash tour, I knew I wanted to see this through. Even if it was a side project, I needed to get it out. And fortunately, you know, right now it's still, still moving along. So, But much, much more uh, than a side project, something that has truly gone global and, and is amazing to hear about. And, and I really do look forward to continuing to see what, what happens here. But I do want to ask uh, through this because my next question was going to be, you know, getting in touch with these major media corporations and these major names. Uh, Not only how did you do it, but how was that, you know, interviewing them? Now that you have all of these amazing connections, sounds like you have some pretty incredible endorsements. You're truly taking this global. Um, to what extent is there a is there still sort of a pressure on to continue to perform? Sure, there is joy in in collecting these stories and sharing these stories, and there's great um, there, there's great I'm sure personal satisfaction and fulfillment that comes with that. But uh, I, I realize that you know with most folks who are putting themselves out there in, in front of a public, whether it be a sort of crude public or not. Do you feel that pressure to continue to perform and to continue to grow? And to what extent is that helping fuel you forward? And as a back end, if there's a preview to what is next for when the jump, that would be cool too. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good set of questions. I think that, you know, for me, it's been pretty heads down around the book. I, I promised my buddy that, you know, that I would get this book out and it'll be five years to when we had that first discussion over my sketch cover page in a cubicle in Boston from January, 2013 to, to when the book comes out. And so it's really taking the lion's share of energy and effort and, and focus. And I don't, you know, I don't think of it as a pressure. I just think, you know, many folks who are jumpers can relate when you go out and do something that you love, you just don't want to do anything else, you know? And so I think I view it more as the next opportunity will present itself. And, you know, I give the podcast as an example where I never expected I would be getting, to do a podcast this early on in the life cycle, you know, 
we started our when to jump you know only about 18 months ago so it wasn't really on my radar and now here we are getting to launch it and so i think you got to be open to the opportunities that can present themselves and also obviously have a plan so i think yes i'm i wouldn't say i'm pressured but i'm certainly excited for what will come after the book and a lot of that i can't even expect right now you know to 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 guess at or predict you just got to hope the book does well really hope that people understand the message we're going to go on a big tour you know we'll be on four continents in the first three months of 2018 and um and see where where things go i think we're just trying to set up the platform in a way that it can grow and evolve and and take form in different ways because that's that's honestly the most important thing you want to have the structure in place so that it can it can evolve with our community and then be open to what happens uh, i don't i don't think it'd be smart or prudent to to try to make a business model that would be 100% certain right now because I think everything will change. That's what we know. Um, and then, you know, as far as what's next, you know, to that point, who knows? I mean, I I have a vision for, you know, like I said, a, a Super Bowl-like festival that brings all of our members together once a year. We've done two. They're called Jump Clubs. One part music festival, one part speaker series, one part farmer's market. Uh, we had Cheryl Sandberg at our first. We doubled it in size and turned it into a weekend in New York at our second event this year. It'll likely go to London, like I said, next year. Uh, I'd love to see that be our anchor event and experience that's truly unique for, for all of our members worldwide. Um, I could see bringing in a fellowship aspect that I'd love to do at some point where we take a portion of our revenue model and, and put funds towards sponsoring and facilitating a jump for those who are members but lack the financial resources to jump. Um, you know, I want to work more with brands in a positive way and see where that can go. Uh, but, you know, one thing at a time, really, first is just get this book out and hopefully people like it. And I'm guessing that, uh, you know, that mentality that you take into it sort of come what may and it, it's not fully prepared out is just right in line with all of the other stories that you have documented to date. And um, wow, I mean, what, what a wonderful, what a wonderful story to date, as well as those plans for the future. Um, you know, when I personally had started the idea for, for this show, um, that's sort of where I thought it, you know, might go way, way, way down the line. It's been so cool to see that that's not only, you know, possible out there, but somebody has been able to do it so incredibly quickly. Um, w- w- with that, I do have uh, one question uh, for you that's related to advice and not just to me, but it's to anybody who is making uh, their personal jump. I have been doing mine for about a year. Uh, Other folks may be just starting and yet uh, there may be a third group. I'm sure there are plenty who have uh, put themselves on the edge and are teetering towards it, but haven't necessarily pushed themselves over. I'll ask first about those who are teetering. What would you say or what advice would you give to that person to push them over that edge and get them to make the jump as uh, as safely as possible. I think that it, you know, it all comes down to preparation and then feeling like you've prepared as much as you can and a little bit of hope. So I think if you come to a jump opportunity and you've been teetering at the edge, like you say, and you've been saving up money and you've been talking to friends and mentors and maybe former colleagues or current colleagues and you know exactly what you do and you just haven't done it yet. I think that's more torturous than any worst case scenario that could come with jumping and failing. And so I think what I found is that no one in, in all the work I've done so far uh, has regretted taking a jump so long as they've planned and stayed focused and been disciplined in how they approach it. And if you do that, if you really 
follow the kind of phases of this framework I laid out or, or just followed your own ways of preparing, I don't think that there's ever a downside. You know, you're going to get closer to what you want to get to eventually. Maybe you'll, you'll miss quote unquote, but you'll be close enough in some other way. And so that type of thing is really important to remember when you're, you know, as a human, you tend to think only of the worst case scenario. That's actually a pretty dangerous way to live. Um, I would say prepare as best you can. And if you're okay with the worst case scenario, then, then go, because ultimately you're going to find a lot in that unknown that unlocks only once you've jumped. And uh, having seen it again and again, I would encourage anybody listening to this to go and check out uh, when to jump and and get a hand on this framework. Uh, and I, I guarantee you, it will put you a leg up um, over somebody who <laughs> has not followed the steps. And um, when the when to jump if the job you have isn't the life you want. Uh, and uh, Mike Lewis, where else can we find you for now? Because I know that's not coming out too early next year. Yep. So we have a website, whendojump.com, which gives all the information of events, you know, uh, our book tour, the podcast. Uh, you can drop your email in our newsletter pop-up that'll come up when you get to the site and you'll get our monthly email. Uh, the book comes out January 9th and the podcast comes out weekly on Tuesdays in the morning. Uh, comes actually overnight Monday. And, you know, if, if folks are interested, they should just tune in, whether the podcast or the newsletter. Uh, the book can be bought anywhere books are sold. It can even be pre-ordered right now. And we'll be through the U.S. Um, San Francisco, we have a public event with Cheryl Sandberg and myself in conversation at the JCC Palo Alto, January 9th. Um, I believe at 7 o'clock. It's a Tuesday night. To kick off the book, we'll have a Lean In Live earlier that day together at Facebook. And then we'll be across the country. We'll be in New York, Boston, D.C., um, and then back to San Francisco, London, uh, Sydney, Dubai, all over. So hope to, hope to see some of your listeners come over and check us out. And really appreciate you having me, Adam. Yeah, excellent. It was great having you as well. Mike Lewis, CEO and founder of When to Jump. Thanks so much for coming on the show. That's When to Jump. You can find everything at whentojump.com. You can also check it out across social media at When to Jump. The podcast is called When to Jump. Pretty good brand in there. Everything's the same name, obviously. So you can catch it really wherever you'd like and wherever you spend your time online. And send an email to them. Let them know what you think. And you can also share your story with them of your jump. And hey, while you're doing that, I encourage you to share the same story with me. Log your dare with me via email, hello at todayishuman.com, across social media at todayishuman, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also leave a written or voice recorded comment on my website, todayishuman.com, to let me know your story, suggestions for new content, suggested interviewees, and overall just feedback for me. And hey, if you like this show and you like what you're hearing over the past couple of days, weeks, months, or even all year, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and stay subscribed, but also leave me a rating and review. Let me know what you think. If you thought this year has been good for me and for this show, say, hey, five stars. I like it. If you think it could be better, say four, three, two. If you really hate it, say one. Regardless, I just would like to have that social proof. And if it's anything like what people have been saying about Mike's show and movement, I'll be very happy. Okay, I'll be back with you again tomorrow because we're going to get right back to the dailies, back to the 25 dares of Christmas. And of course, as we wrap up towards the end of this year, I'll have a few more full-length interviews to bring your way. Just as a little preview, I'm going to end the season of the show towards the end of this year, and I'm going to pick up season three currently as it's planned towards the end of January. 
So at the turn of the year, if you don't hear anything and don't see anything being uploaded, at least in audio format, do not worry. I'm still around. I'm alive and I'm coming back to you. But until then, I've been Adam Connor. I'll check you out tomorrow. I'll be in your ears then. Keep daring and I'll see you later. Peace out. Like what you hear? Stay up to date with To Dare is Human by subscribing and following across social media. And until next time, keep daring.